Lord. Oh, what a king. He is a king. You know that, right? We celebrate at Christmas time his birth, baby born in a humble manger. But I said to you last week, and I'll say it again, the next time that this earth sees him will not come back as a humble baby, but he will come back as a reigning king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that possibility. It will take place. It will happen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you in the Lord's house today. I'm so delighted to be your pastor and to be able to pastor such a lovely group of people and people who love to have fun and enjoy life and do life together. And uh, it's, it's just an exciting time to be here together. Amen. I was a little bit amused before church because I walked up on a couple of ladies talking to each other and one of them turned to me and said, Pastor, I'm doing what you asked us to do last week. And I guess I'd forgotten because I said, well, what did I ask you to do? I said, I'm, I'm meeting someone that I've seen, but I did not know their name. And I'm learning what their name is. And I'm so thankful that you're taking the time and making the effort to get to know one another, not only by face, but by name. And so I know many of you were doing that last week and are continuing to do that. Let's keep it up. Uh, let's keep those relationships growing so that we can know one another. It's good to see you and to know you by name. I, I think one of the greatest things for me to realize every day is that the Lord knows me by name. He calls my name every day, and I'm so grateful for that. This thing about Jesus is not just some religious thing that we do, but it is a relationship that we have with Him. Something that we can experience even when we're not in this physical building. We can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful for that and to Him for making that possible. I, I've met some visitors today, saw some folks here that uh, this is your first time, and I want to just take an opportunity to welcome welcome you. Uh, we have a little thing around here that we do, and it just simply is that you get one shot at visiting, because if you come back again, we're going to just treat you like your family. And so we thank you and pray that you'll take full advantage of your one shot to be a visitor today. Uh, some of the guys uh, that live out in Bullock County and that just kind of organically just started meeting together um, to go have coffee and then have biscuits and that kind of thing. And one of our visitors today is a barista at our coffee joint where we go. And so when I saw her come in today, I said, I'll take a medium salted caramel sugar-free. She said, the next time I come, I'll try to remember to bring that with me. So anyway, we're glad to have you with us today as we worship the Lord this morning. I, I want to mention something to you and then I'm going to preach today and conclude our sermon series that we've been talking about the last few weeks entitled White as Snow. But for those of you who have visited that side of the building today, if you go to the restroom or whatever, you'll notice that there's a lot of work that's going on past these two doors um, it's not as put together as we typically like to have it here, uh, but we are doing some much-needed face lifting in that area over here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's been about 10 years since we've painted back in that area. And so we are painting, and uh, beginning next week or the week after that, depending on the scheduling of the workers, we're actually going to be lowering the ceiling in the foyer. It's still going to be high, but it's a little bit lower. And we're going to be putting in new light fixtures that are LED that will help us with utilities and the brightness in that area. Uh, and we're going to be remodeling our bathrooms. Some of the tile that's on the, on the walls and the floors back there have been there probably ever since this building over here was built a long, long time ago. And we just felt like it was time for us to upgrade a little bit and to do some uh, remodeling. And so we've already got the contractor ready to go. Uh, the only thing that is left is that we need some money to do it with. 
And so you know how it is and how it's been since I've been here as your pastor almost 13 years now. We've paid cash for everything we've done. If we didn't have the cash to do it, we don't do it. We wait until we have the cash. And again, we're doing all that we're doing, paying cash as we go. This next phase is going to take about $5,000 for us to do everything that needs to be done, maybe a little bit more. And so we've utilized a lot of the money that we had set aside, and I just wanted to give you the opportunity to pray about and consider an end-of-the-year gift to help us with this project. We need about $5,000, and so I'm just asking you to give some consideration to it, whatever you feel like that the Lord might uh, ask you to do and, and allow you to participate. There are a couple of ways that you can do this. You can just do online, online giving. Just go to the offering area and put out however much you decide you'd like to give, and in the memo, just put remodel, or you can even put the word foyer. And we'll know where you want that money to go. I give you my word that we will use every dime that you give toward this project. We won't use it for anything else. So I want you to think about it, pray about it, consider that. Or if you prefer to just write a check, you can do that as well. We have our boxes on the back wall where you deposit your tithe and your offerings every week. Just write your check to Spirit Life Church in the memo line, put for your or remodel, and we'll get it to use. Amen. Don't you love what God has done in the past and what He is doing right now for us and through us? So no big pressure. You know me. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm just putting it out there. I learned years ago that if you don't let people know what is needed, they won't be able to give. But I have learned from this church that if I let you know what the need is, you have always come through. And for all of these years, although we have carried some debt, not because we took it out, but, but some debt that is there, we have never borrowed anything since I've been here. We've paid cash all along the way, and we're going to continue to do that. Amen? So thank you for praying about it. Thank you for considering it. And if you want to do that, you can do that. If you do it by the end of the year, if you make a donation, pay your tithe, give an offering before December the 31st at midnight, you'll be able to take tax credit on your taxes for this year. So consider that. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them and, and just uh, keep them handy. We're going to jump around a little bit today. Uh, we're going to still be in Isaiah, so if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, chapter 1, uh, we will begin the process. Amen. Let me open my water. Doesn't pastor sound so much better today? Uh, some of you are just thinking about that right now. I'm still not 100%. It was two weeks on Friday. Uh, someone told me last week, they said, you've got about seven more weeks to go before you'll be back to normal. I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I'm going to get better quicker and sooner. So continue to pray for me, but I am feeling much better, and my voice is getting stronger every week. So I'm going to crack this bottle open while you're turning to Isaiah chapter 1. Fabulous. Now, if you'll remember the first week, we were talking about how that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And he was telling his people, you've been living your life in a manner that is unpleasing, displeasing to me. And we've got to fix this. <clears throat> and so the way that we're going to fix this is I'm going to take your crimson sins and I'm going to turn them as white as snow. Last week we talked about how that the way that he did that is he sent Jesus Christ. We talked about this term incarnation, which literally means that God put on flesh and came into this world. Hebrews tells us that we have a great high priest who is able to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. 
giving us the possibility that if we can trust in Him and allow Him to be our Savior, that we too can face temptation without sin. We talked about how that the Scripture says that we're all tempted from time to time, but with every temptation, there is a way of escape that has been provided us through Jesus Christ. So today, I want to talk about this idea of grace and how that grace is needed for one to be made white as snow. So as we get ready to receive from the Word of God, I want you to join me and let's pray together and invite God to touch us and our minds and give us the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that we need to truly be, to be able to connect with this message today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for the privilege of coming together with your people. Lord, there are no finer people that I know than the ones that have gathered here right with us today. And I thank you for them and for the relationship that we have one with one another. And Lord, I thank you for the relationship that we have with you today. And I thank you that as we move into this Christmas season, that we are able to have the blessings of God upon our life because you came, you put on flesh. You came to have relationship with us. You came to build your tent in our backyard. You're not just some person who built a great palace where you could hide yourself away, but you came into our backyard. You pitched your tent into our lives, and you are doing life together with us. And I'm so grateful. And Lord, today I pray that you'll open our minds and that we will be able to see that all of this is possible because of the grace of God that has been supplied us through your wonderful Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively today, to stay within my limitations, whatever those may be, to, to, to remind myself that it is your word that goes forth today and not how I necessarily scream it or speak it or what. It's your word that will make a difference. And you said in your word that if and when your word goes forth, it will never return to you void, but will always accomplish everything that you send it forth to do. And because of that promise, I know that whatever is spoken today will be for your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many of you ever had snow cream? Can I see your hands? You probably haven't had any this year. How many of you have had any this year? Probably not. I love snow cream. We were talking about it the other day with the grand girls, and they said snow cream is good except for the yellow kind. <laughs> They're absolutely right about that, you know. I read this week about how that in Vermont they have a little twist on the snow cream. Uh, they don't just add sugar to it and whatever else you put in. I'm not good at recipes, so I don't really know what's in it or not. I just like to partake of it, need of it. But in Vermont, they do it during what they call the sugaring uh, season. And that's when they go to the trees and they tap them, and the maple actually comes out of the trees during the sugaring season. And when it snows and they have fresh snow upon the ground, they will take the pure maple that comes from those trees and add it to the snow, and they actually make their snow cream with that maple syrup. And I've never been to, you know, I've been to Vermont, but I've never been there during the sugaring season, but it kind of makes me want to go because that sounds like the kind of thing that I would like. <coughs> so they talk about the sugaring season and this idea of snow cream. And so when you look at the snow and look at the purity of it, it's a beautiful sight. And it literally looks good enough to eat. And when most people think about the land of Israel, snow is not something that you often think about. See, not every year does it snow in Jerusalem. It will snow occasionally. In fact, it's common enough in Israel that it is mentioned 24 times by the biblical writers in the Bible. But there's one breathtaking description and word involving snow that comes from the lips of the Lord Himself. And it's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. 
It's found in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 18. Now, if you'll turn there with me, <clears throat> we will read together. And it says, what are all your sacrifices to me? Can you give me a little monitor, Bill, if this morning? I would appreciate it. I've had enough of the burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this from you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing useless offerings to me. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with the festival. I hate your new moons and your prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And then verse 18. Come and let us settle this matter. Or in some versions, it says, come and let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. So this is obviously a blessing at the end, but God is pointing out with His words through the prophet Isaiah that there is some adjustment that needs to be made in the lives of His people. This adjustment can only be made, though, through the grace of God. And so let me talk to you about this idea of free grace. How many of you know that grace is free? It is a gift of God that is provided for us. So when we read this passage of Scripture, we cannot fail to be awed by what is going on here. God is saying, I see you in your current condition, but I am going to change the condition of your life with my blessing and by my grace. Now you notice that this, these verses suggest, suggest three actions on the part of God's people. And the first is to repent. Now we understand that repent just simply means turn around and go another direction. It's not about sorrow. It's not about um, condemning yourself. It's just about realizing where you are and who you are and how you're living and turning the other direction and walking in the direction that God would have you to walk. So he says, stop what you are doing and learn to do what is required of you. This is a process. Notice in the verse of Scripture, God says, your sins are as scarlet but they will be white as snow. Do you see that? He said, right now, this is the reality of where you are, but when I'm finished with you, you will be a new creature through me. Old things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new because of what I do. And then they are told to reason. They're told to settle the matter with God. So let me just tell you today, the only way that you'll ever be free from your sin is to take the step of faith and reason your way through the gospel and accept Christ as your Savior. He is reasoning with them. And then the third thing is simply a receiving of the gift that God has for them. God is offering the free gift of grace that will correct all of the wrongdoing that they had been guilty of. Now, when God offers a bargain of forgiveness, there is no catch. It is free. 
So what you need to understand today is there's no price that you can pay to receive grace. There's nothing you can do. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of washing. There's no amount of cleaning that you are doing on your own behalf that will bring you to a place of freedom in Christ. It is a free gift of God. It is for every individual who will believe with their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And if you believe that and accept that and receive that, then grace is yours. So it's free. But then wait just a minute, because this passage of Scripture can be very confusing if you don't understand the reality of it. Because it looks like that God is saying to, to His people through the prophet Isaiah that before I can do this, there are some things you're going to have to do. Notice how that the Scripture says, you need to wash yourself. Then it says you need to cleanse yourself. You need to remove your evil deeds. You need to stop doing evil things. You need to learn to do good. You need to pursue justice. You need to correct the oppressor. You need to defend the rights of the fatherless. You need to plead the widow's cause. God, through Isaiah, is saying these are all things that must take place in your life. He did reason with them. And we have to understand that what he is saying here to them is in the context of him reasoning with them. He is settling the matter of sin in their lives. But we have to understand that if these people did all of those things before God washed them white as snow, then they would be the ones getting the credit for changing their own lives. They would be the ones who had paid the necessary price to become white as snow. And that's not what God said. He didn't say, do all these things and you will become white. He was saying, I will make you as white as snow. You see, we got to understand in context that there's nothing we can do to provide salvation to ourselves. God will do the work of salvation in us. It is God who forgives. It is God who washes us clean. So if that's true, then what is God saying through the prophet Isaiah when he tells them to stop doing evil things and wash yourself and cleanse yourself? Here's the reality. Since purchasing grace is not possible, he must have meant something else than if you'll do this, then I will wash you white as snow. No, what he meant was, is that after I wash you white as snow, there will be a change in your life that you will notice because the things that you've been doing, you will no longer do. The places you've been going, you will no, no longer go because you will be compelled by grace to live a different life. You see, here's the problem with our modern Christianity. We don't want all that Jesus has for us in many cases. We don't want to make sacrifices that come with the new birth. We don't want to become a new creature because we like the way that we live now. But Jesus says that when He does the work of cleaning us up, then we become a new creature. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Now here's the problem that we have. Is that sometimes we expect to get saved, to come to Christ, and then tomorrow I, we're going to be perfect. I mean, we're never going to be tempted again. We're never going to deal with sin again. We're never going to experience difficulties in our lives. And that simply is not true. This is a process, remember? He said, though your sins be as scarlet, though they are currently as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. How many of you are in the will be stage today? You are in the perfection process where Christ is sanctifying us through His Word and washing us. So when we understand that what God is saying is 
that once I wash you white as snow, these things that have been evident in your life are going to change. You're not going to have to wash yourself because I'm going to wash you for you. You're not going to have to cleanse yourself because the cleansing will be complete by my blood. You're not going to have to remove evil deeds because the new nature that is in you will want to do good deeds. You will learn in the process to do good. You will learn to pursue justice. You will learn to correct the oppression of this earth. You will learn to defend the rights of the fatherless. You will learn to take up the call of the widows your entire life will change because I will have made you white as snow isn't that good news today you know when we start living for Christ things change in our lives we become different yesterday at our house Aaron had asked us if we would watch the grandkids for a couple of hours so that she could go to the young lady's Christmas party and so she came over and dropped off Jovi and Harper and Henry and we had them two or three hours when they got there the first thing they always do is go check out the pantry what you got to eat we didn't really know they were coming and so we didn't have all the sugary snacky things that they like to have so we decided that we'd make pancakes homemade pancakes and sausage makes me want it again today Grammy got up and came into the kitchen and she made the homemade uh, uh, pancakes and everything and, and we sat and we ate breakfast together. It was so good. And when it was over, Jovi just started clearing the table. She started taking the plates and going over to the sink and started washing the plates and, and nobody asked her to do it at all. And I noticed that she was doing that and I said, hey, Jove, I said, listen, I said, you go play with your your, your sister and your brother, and I'll take care of that. I'll do that. I'll wash the dishes. And she looked at me, and she said, no thanks, Pops. She said, I would like to do it if you don't mind. She said, I need to lay up some treasures in heaven. And she was just as serious as could be. She said, I need to do something today that will have my name on it that will give me a jewel in my crown. That's what she said. She said, I want to get some jewels in my crown so that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be all fixed up. Listen, that's the kind of thing that happens in our lives when we're washed white as snow. God begins to do a work in us, and our motivations change. Our desires change. We're no longer about this earth and what this earth can bring. Our motivation now is to please the Lord and to lay up treasures, if you will, in heaven with our name attached to it so that when we can get there, we can draw benefits from those things that we have laid up. Isaiah goes on, and in chapter 55, verses 1 and 2, God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. And he says, tell my people this. He said, tell them to come. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And you without silver, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest foods. You know what God is saying? <clears throat> He's saying, I intend to provide grace that is free and will open new dimensions of blessings in your life unlike anything you've ever experienced before. God wants to do a free thing for you today. God wants to allow His grace to be yours as a free gift. And when that grace comes to you, it's going to open up a brand new dimension of blessing for your life unlike anything that you've ever experienced before. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I just get tired of the same old thing. Anybody like that? I mean, it's not that it's a bad thing. It, it, it's not that it brings any, any bad to my life, but it's just I'm discontent with it. I mean, sometimes 
I've enjoyed it, and it's been good, and it's been a great run, but all of a sudden now I'm tired of it, and I want to experience something different. And that's what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah. He is saying, hey, tell my people, if they're thirsty, come and drink of my water. Because my water is different. Do you remember the lady at the well that Jesus went to see? And he said, come and drink of this water. Because if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. He was talking about something in the spirit realm that she couldn't experience any other way. I'm glad to know today that when we get bored with the same old, same old, and isn't it true that even church can get that way from time to time? We just come in and we go through the motions and do the same old thing. And, and you know, it's just the same thing week after week. And, you know, we put pressure on the pastor and others to do something different. Sing a different song. Do, you know, create some, something that will bring joy to my life. Well, let me tell you something. We can do new things, and we can put new programs into place, but they will get old and crusty as well. There's only one thing that will remain new, and that is when you come in and you prepare yourself to drink from the living fountain of God, when you start drinking of the blessings from Jesus' fountain, you will be amazed at the newness and the freshness that comes into your life. It's time for us to drink of the water. It doesn't cost us anything. We don't have to pay Jesus for a drink of His water. He said, just tell my people to come and to drink if they're thirsty. Come to the water. Come without silver. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk and without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver? And then he goes on and he says, you're investing yourself in things that will never satisfy you. Isn't that true about our lives sometimes? I mean, we get up and we go to work almost every day of our life. We work day in and day out. We do the same thing at home, and it doesn't bring the fresh blessings of God upon our life. What's the old saying? If you just keep doing the same thing, you're always going to get the same result. There comes a time when we have to change up what we're doing if we expect to get a different result. We can stay depressed for weeks and months, but if we just keep in that same place, we will stay depressed and discouraged and frustrated. There comes a time when we have to lift up our heads and look into the hills from which cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord. Stop doing the same things that will bring not bring joy and life into your lives. Instead, come and drink of the water that God has provided for us. Stop spending your silver on what is not food. Stop giving your wages on what does not satisfy. And he says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And you will enjoy the choices of foods. Do you know that God has blessings in store for us that you haven't even seen yet in the Spirit? He has things that He wants to bless you with that you haven't even realized yet. And what he is saying here through the prophet Isaiah is if you'll tell my people, if they will come and receive from me, I will bless them in ways that will blow their mind. Fresh things. So grace is free. And it is. But grace is also costly. It is costly. Bonhoeffer said, Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of His Son. You were bought with a price, he said. And costly grace is the incarnation of God. We talked about incarnation last week. Where Jesus came into this earth, took on flesh so that He come, could come with us. But think about all that Jesus gave up. To live, leave the riches of heaven so that he could come and hang out with us. It was a costly price to pay. In Job chapter 9, verses 30 through 33, Job said, If I wash myself with snow, and if I cleanse my hands with lye, 
Then you dip me in a pit of mud, and my own clothes despise me. For he is not a man like me that I can answer him, that we can take each other to court. There is no mediator between us to lay his hand on both of us. You know the story of Job. He was a righteous man, but he lost everything in the fleshly realm. And he was complaining to his friends that God has left me high and dry. I am all alone. I have no way to be able to reason with God, to be able to come to Him and have a conversation and to have someone mediate the situation between me and God. No one was able to do that. Can I just tell you that we were just like Job in that nobody could come to God on our behalf. Parents, you cannot go to God on behalf of your children. It will become their responsibility one of these days when they get old enough to understand the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to choose Jesus on their own. I'll never understand a parent who says, I don't want to unduly influence my children toward Jesus Christ. I want them to be able to make their own choices. Well, I will tell you that when my kids were little, that's not what the Bible told me to do. The Bible says that we are to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so that when they are old, they will not depart from the truth and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The statistics tell us that the majority of salvations that take place are in young people under the age of 18. That's the reason that our church, five years ago, adopted this, this idea of opening this child care center and the school. We just believe that if we can get a child in our care when they are an infant and keep them all the way through fifth grade, that's 11 years, that we can tell them about Jesus Christ. We can sing as we're holding them on our laps. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. We can teach them that the grace of Jesus Christ is not just for white Americans, but it is for every tongue and every tribe and every nation. Red, yellow, black, and white. The love of Jesus is ours. Because Jesus loves us all. And so we said, hey, we got to get in the lives of these families. We've got to do what we can. We can't run buses up and down the street anymore and expect parents to put their kids on a bus and send them off to some church. We've got to find a way to build relationships with our community and let them know that Jesus loves and cares for them. This week it came to me, we've got kids in our school back here that started in our child care center when they were infants. And I'm going to do some research on it this week. I'd like to know who those kids are. I don't know if their parents will let me, but I'd love to come to them. I'd love to bring them right into this service and introduce you to those little boys and girls that have been here ever since they were sucking their thumbs. And I'd like for you to see the kind of ministry that is taking place because we are loving our kids. Listen, you can say whatever you want to say, but if we don't teach them, if we don't train them, if we don't do the work, this world is not going to do it. I'm so thankful that we have good Christian men and women who work in our school systems. Some of you work in our school systems, and you are able to teach there like we do here. Just the other night, I went to one of the concerts in Taylorsville where Harper and Jovi go to school. They were doing their Christmas concert. And I'm sitting there, just like everyone else, enjoying uh, the music and enjoy watching the kids. And the music teacher said, we're going to sing a song. She said, I was a little uncertain about it. She said, I didn't know if the kids were old enough to be able to get the message or not. And I was just a little uncertain. But she said, I thought that why not take a chance 
and see if these kids could sing this song and connect with it. And as they started the music and the kids started to sing, they sang, Mary, did you know that your baby boy? And when they started singing that song, their eyes lit up. We were in a secular situation, a secular school. But I'm telling you, that music teacher made a statement that no matter where we are and what we're doing, we better be lifting up the name of Jesus Christ because He is our hope and He is our salvation. And we cannot wait for these children to get older. We must be teaching them and training them even now. Jesus loved us enough to sin to come and to give His life for us. What Job longed for, Jesus fulfilled. He wanted a mediator. He wanted someone to stand between God and his sin. And, God, and Job was described as a righteous man. But he knew that he needed someone to stand between he and God. And Jesus fulfilled that desire when he came. And then King David writes in Psalm chapter 51 verse 7, he said, Lord, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. How about that? We're talking about a king who was a God, godly man, had a heart after God, and yet he was a murderer and he was an adulterer. And yet God loved him enough to change his life. And his story changed because of the washing that came to him through God. That's what he said. He said, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now think about this. God himself has to do the washing because David said, I have sinned against you, and you only have I, I sinned, have I come against. You see, our sin is not necessarily against other people, although it can be manifested that way. But the sin of our life is against God. And so God has to be the forgiver. God has to be the washer. And David understood that. And he said, God, if you will wash me, I will be whiter than snow. Let's just say that for some reason that Paul Pitts offended me and made me mad. Smacked me in the mouth. Took me out back. Took a hammer. Said, I'm going to threaten you with this thing. I don't like you, Pastor. You're a mean boy. Like the way you preach. You're from southern Illinois. How in the world did they even let you in Kentucky? Let's say that he did that. And I'm offended by him. And then let's say that Sharon came, or Shannon came. Boy, didn't she sing today. And I love to hear Shannon sing. She really did a great job. Let's say that Shannon came and said, Pastor, now, you know, Paul occasionally gets out of control and he says things he doesn't mean and he does things. And I'm sorry that he hit you. And I, I, you, know, I, 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 you know, forgive him, will you? Forgive him. But you know what? Shannon's not responsible for the forgiveness. I am. They say, well, what if Paul never apologizes to me? Well, I have two choices. I can either live the rest of my life mad at Paul because he offended me, or I can forgive him, and I can wash it away, and I can remove all of that from my life. And that's what the Scripture is teaching us, is that God is the forgiver. God is the washer. God is the one who makes it white. It's not you. It's not necessarily your choice and what you have done. It's no one else's responsibility. It is your responsibility to allow God to wash you. God Himself purifies us by the blood of His resurrected and victorious Son. And you know what? What David longed for in a forgiver and a washer was fulfilled many years later when Jesus Christ came into this earth. He's the one. It always points forward to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. And what David was longing for was a relationship with Jesus Christ.
Come help me quit if you guys will. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says, And from Jesus Christ, say those words, from Jesus from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7, he says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so. Amen. But you see that phrase in verse 5. It says, It was Jesus Christ who washed us from our sins in his own blood. I got to thinking about that this week. And I got to thinking, Lord, how can you take red blood and apply it to red sins and somehow produce white souls? It's impossible. It can't be done. But the reason our scarlet sins can be made white as snow is because Jesus' scarlet blood covers them. Think about that. So herein lies the divine transformation. The miraculous makeover. If you take scarlet and add it to scarlet, it equals white. That, that can't happen. If you were a painter, an artist, and you were going to paint a beautiful picture, and you got your color palette out, and you took your brush, and you dipped your brush in a little bit of scarlet, and then you dipped it again in a, maybe a different shade of scarlet, and you got ready to put that on your canvas, you know what color would come out on the canvas? Scarlet. Because you got scarlet added to scarlet. It could never equal white. It would be impossible in this world. But I told you last week, and let me remind you, that any time that people think that something is impossible, it's because they have not factored in the reality of what Jesus Christ can do in their life. Because God, through Jesus, is greater than the impossible. God always speaks of the possible. He never says to you, that's impossible. He will never come to you and say, oh, you're too sinful. You're too bad of a person. I cannot fix you. I cannot make you white as snow because who you are and what you've done. Listen, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you can't be any worse than the people that I described to you in Isaiah chapter 1. People who lived evil lives. People who rejected God and turned their backs on Him. And yet God said through the prophet Isaiah, come and let me reason with you. Can I just tell you today, God wants to reason with you. He wants to speak into your soul and into your spirit and let you know that no matter how scarlet your sin may be, all it takes is one word of grace, one action of divine love that will take, about, take away all the penalty of your sin. Scarlet plus scarlet equals white only God can do that isn't that true stand with me if you will the scarlet blood 
of the sinless Jesus poured over the scarlet sin of mankind produces a new creation that is white as snow. Look at that on the screen. Think about that. Scarlet blood of the sinless Jesus poured over the scarlet sin of mankind produces a new creation that is white as snow. Let me ask you, as we move into this Christmas season over the next couple of weeks, have you allowed Jesus to cover your scarlet sins and make you white as snow? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Say, I really don't know how to do that, Pastor. Well, let me just tell you, it's as simple as this. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you accept Jesus for who He is, for what He's done, and you believe it, you will be saved. He will not turn you away. You know, there may be some people watching on the television today that you're out there and you're considering the words that I'm speaking to you today. You may not be even in this house today, but you're listening intently to this message. And you're at a place in your life where you know that you need grace. You're at a place in your life where you know that nothing is ever going to change unless Jesus comes into your heart and into your life. And if you'll just turn your life to Him right where you are, wherever you are, Jesus will forgive your sins. And you will immediately begin begin to feel a difference in your life. It may be that there are individuals in this house today. If everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, would you just lift your hand up right where you are and let me see your hand so I can pray for you today so that I can pray for you today amen God loves you with an everlasting love John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life verse 17 For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Everybody look up here now. As far as I can tell, as far as I know, everybody that's in this house today has signified to me that they are a child of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you thankful for that great gift that has come to us? I'm so grateful for it. I'm thankful for grace. Are you thankful for grace today? It's the greatest gift that I've ever received. Grace, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to sing this morning what they're playing. Prayer team, if you will come, position yourself this morning. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, maybe physically in your body, you're carrying sickness and you need to be set free from that, How many of you know that part of grace is healing? God is able to heal you. Maybe you're dealing with some emotional, mental issues in your life and you need need someone to pray with you. Whatever it is, as they begin to sing, I want you to just step out of your seat and come down here and let them pray with you this morning.
join them now and sing this in worship. And if that's your testimony today, his sacrifice, his scarlet blood, covering your scarlet sin, making you white as snow, would you just take a moment and give him praise and thanksgiving for the great gift of grace that he has provided you. Amen. Now I want to invite you to make sure that you're here next week. It's always one of the highlights of our year when our kids come into the sanctuary and sing their songs and participate in the program that they've been practicing now for quite a while. So I want you to come. I want you to bring your cameras. You know, the parents always set up here right, right close so that they can take pictures and everything. I want you to wave at little Johnny when he's singing and little Mary when she's doing whatever she's doing. And I want you to laugh, and I want you to smile, and I want us to have a wonderful time next Sunday as you come. And let's pack this house out. Get your mom and your dad, your grandma and your grandpa and your aunt and your uncle, and grab your neighbor by the neck, even if you don't like them, and bring them to church with you next week. And let's pack this house out as we celebrate the good things that Jesus has done for us. I love you so much, and I pray that you have a wonderful week because of Jesus. Now, as we close, let me ask you, how many of you met somebody brand new last week, and you asked them what their name was? You see your hands. I want you to find somebody else this week, and I want you to go to them, and I want you to just say, hey, hey, hey. My name's Rob, and your name is Kate. Blessings to be upon you in Jesus' name. Be dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you later. If you are in an ugly sweater, we're going to take a group photo. If you'll come up here real fast.